Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Get it on. Gotta get it on. Got to. There's a mandate to get it on. No, I'm not Adam Carolla. Anyway, yeah, welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. Uh, I want to remind you that I have a Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Send me some money through that way or use the hashtag shockmonkeyradio, all one word, on Cash App and support me. I'm not going to go too much into that. I want to tell you a little bit about a guy named Mike versus everything, guy I ran across on YouTube. And it's, it's interesting how I came across his YouTube channel. It's because I don't know if you ever watched Tim Pool, uh, Timcast IRL, but there's this uh, co-host on there. His name is Ian Crossland. And this guy is like cuckoo towns, okay? He is super crazy towns. He is out of his mind insane. And so I did a little bit of research. I was just searching uh, for this Ian Crossland guy, and then I came across a couple of these videos by this guy, Mike Versus Everything, where he talks about those these incidents where uh, on Tim Pool's show where the guy just goes crazy towns, and it happens like all the time. And if you watch Tim Cast IRL, you understand, you know who Ian Crossland is. Because if you're watching the chat like I do, you see it's like as soon as he starts talking, people just like, shut up, dude. Shut up. You're not following the narrative. You're not f- understanding any of this. You're, you're going to talk about eating gold any second. Seriously. Seriously. <clears throat> but this guy um, uh, uh, on the channel I found, Mike versus everything, real nice guy. He seems like a, a, what I call a smart Jersey guy from the Navy. <laughs> he was a smart Jersey guy. And uh, I like his videos. It, he, uh, he constantly makes fun of like TikTok videos, which is you know really the insanity that's on the Internet today. And so uh, I really enjoy his videos, plus he interacts a lot, so check him out, Mike versus Everything, and find out about, about that Ian Crossland. Ian Crossland has a YouTube channel. You should check it out just to see how crazy that man is, that person, I don't, that man. He's a crazy man. Anyway, I'm, I'm just envious. He's a real madman. <laughs> see, I'm medicated. He isn't, okay? <laughs> I, I used to be crazy towns like him, but I mean, I mean even for me, that, that's a little off- off the off the beaten path. So I, I, that's all I want to say about that. Check them out. Become a patron. And uh, yeah, I have a cash app. <laughs> Shock Monkey Radio. I'd appreciate it. So let's go into this first bit. Well, well. Good afternoon, Kal-El. I trust your synthetic kryptonite shackles are comfortable enough within reason. They were designed by a specialist named Scott Free. So struggle all you want. You will never escape. I've brought you here to witness my ascension as the most powerful man on earth. If you could cast your gaze upon the view screen before you, you can see a view from a LexCorp satellite. As you can see, we have Earth here on the lower left and the sun, the source of all your power in the distance. With the press of this button here, I will launch a series of missiles towards the sun which will cause a solar flare to wipe out all the satellites that are not properly shielded and only LexCorp satellites will survive the flare and therefore only LexCorp smart devices will function following the flare, making my LexCorp smart devices the only functional devices on Earth which will allow me to monopolize the market. Additionally, the second phase of rockets will change the chemical composition of the sun from yellow to red, thus rendering yourself and all Kryptonians 
powerless forever. With the press of my, this button, I will take my rightful place as the ruler of Earth. <laughs> Otis! Otis! Miss Tessmacher! I take a punctured lung. Otis! Miss Tessmacher! <coughs> Mr. Luthor, Mr. Luthor, what happened? Superman escaped, you thick-headed buffoon! Look, Mr. Luthor, on the screen, Superman's rounding up the missiles and destroying them. I can see that, Otis! Miss Tessmacher! <coughs> I'm definitely bleeding internally. Kal-El, save me! Fly me to a hospital! I don't think Superman can hear you out in space, Mr. Luthor. Obviously, Otis. Miss Tessmacher! Losing consciousness. Locking out. And that's just a day in the life of Lex Luthor. You've been chasing that guy for 80 years. Give it up, dude. <laughs> Seriously, that would be his life. That would be his life. At what point would you give up on Superman? It's like, oh, Kryptonians exist now. I guess that's a thing. <laughs> I could talk a little bit more about comic book characters because, you know, I've Always thinking about comic book characters. So I want to talk about Namor's winged feet. I don't know if you've seen these in the comic books, but Namor, the submariner, sub submariner, submariner, he has wings on his ankles. All right, now here's a question. <clears throat> what, what mammals do we know that have wings? We're talking about bats, right? Some f squirrel species have flaps, have like, what are they, parasailing? <laughs> Fish? Fish have wings. Okay, there are, there are some fish. E.K. brought up a point. There are some fish who have wings. Flying fish. But everyone knows they're just jumping. You know what I mean? Everyone knows they're just jumping. So when it comes to Namor, it's just like he's a mammal, apparently. Apparently, Aquaman and Namor are mammals. All right, and so how would you evolve these things, especially if you're a sea creature? You know, if you're native to the ocean, why would you ever evolve wings on your ankles of all places? All right. But they help them fly in Earth's atmosphere? I don't know. I don't really get these, these underwater because, I mean, they should all be fatter. Uh, Aquaman and, and Namor, they, they all have like a 3% body fat, you know what I mean? And, but if they're mammals that live in the ocean, they need to have the fat to withstand cold temperatures and stuff like that. Just like other uh, uh, sea mammals. And it would be blubberous fat, you know, <laughs> blubberous. And so it, every time you see, like, Namor's all cut and stuff like that, and you're just like, come on. That guy would, he, it would be impossible for him to float, ever. All right, and so, I mean, and here's the thing I was thinking about uh, Atlanteans, too, people who live in Atlantis. Uh, what are their toilets like? Because here on land, we have little rooms in our house with a uh, basket in the floor, basically, with water in it. Would, would, would Atlanteans have like a thing coming out, coming down from the ceiling with air in it? I, I, it no, it's impractical to do that because the poop would still float down. So, I mean, it's, I don't, I, it's like, it's like if you ever get taken along uh, uh, onto an alien spaceship, all right? Uh, and you can communicate with them, either with telepathy or something like that. The first thing I want to see is the bathroom. I don't know about you, 
okay? And I'm still confused about what the three, seal three, three seashells are for, okay? I really don't know what that is. The only thing that makes sense to me is that they're different buttons for different functions that are built into the toilet, like a bidet or something like that. Anyway, that being said, is like if I, get, if I go to Atlantis, the first thing I want to check out is the bathrooms. Show me how to use the bathroom. Yeah, show me how to use it. I could probably get hurt. If you go to a, if, to a species you don't understand, you evolved wings on your ankles. <laughs> what is it like in your toilets if I'm going to be staying here for any length of time? Anyway, or maybe they just poo and pee in the ocean as they're swimming, and that's why they both wear green, to hide any yellow stains, yellow and brown stains. And why wouldn't the Atlanteans throw their trash up on land? Why wouldn't you be like people sitting on the beach in Miami, you know, catching some rays, and all of a sudden a bunch of Atlanteans in a truck pull up and <laughs> dump a bunch of fish bones and guts, and, <laughs> and how it would just stink up the beaches? I mean, Namor's always fighting about that ecological stuff. He's super mad that humans are, like, dumping oil in the oceans and shit like that. He's always getting pissed off about that. Aquaman sometimes, too. He's like, why don't you just build a big pipe coming out of the ocean and just dumping it into Texas, you know? You guys think of coming at this in a more civic-minded <laughs> way, Namor. Oh, that, if that, that's how you're going to play it, humans? All right, we're going to change our industry to dump all our junk in your, your back, backyard. Anyway, <clears throat> that's all I'm going to talk about superheroes for now. Thank you for your service. I, had, I heard a coworker say this to me a couple years back after I mentioned having to be in, being in the Navy, and, he, and I laughed at his face. He was taken aback by that and didn't understand why I would do such a thing. Sure, it may have been rude for me uh, after someone says something uh, so kind, so immediately I felt the need to explain myself. So I said to him to something to the effect of, look, I wasn't the guy storming the beaches or parachuting into war zones. I was the guy fixing PowerPoint and troubleshooting network problems for commanders, captains, and admirals. I didn't do anything heroic, and if anything, my time in the Navy was pretty cushy. I worked for an admiral staff command and never even had to do a six-month deployment. The longest I was out for was like four weeks, and I think we hit a bunch of ports along the way, like New York, Philly, Halifax, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. So I had a pretty good... And so that's why I reacted that way. It's a very nice thing uh, to say to ex-military people. But I think that my experience in the Navy was not typical for other people who are in the military. But I've thought about a lot about this, about this interaction I had. And sometimes I feel a need to edit or recalibrate my response to the statement of appreciation that when people say, thank you for your service. It's hard for me to say, it's hard for me to just say you're welcome and walk away. For the reasons I mentioned before, but because of the more simple fact that I, I didn't do it for you. I enlisted in 1997 during a time of relative peace. I wanted an adventure, education and experience, and money for college, which I never used because state, <laughs> the state of universities is horrible these days. I enlisted for purely selfish reasons, so it's hard for me to look at myself as a tough-as-nails hero uh, uh, that some people might think I am. I don't even consider myself as a veteran, but a real veteran explained to me that the USS Cole attack happened during my time in the Navy, and therefore I was at risk of attack and therefore worthy of being a veteran. Eh, all right. What's funny is that some civilians think that uh, everyone who joins the military is trained to kill with their bare hands, even computer nerd sailors like me. So when it comes to people saying, thank you for your service, which obviously doesn't happen every day, but every now and then, I think I'll just say, 
thank you for allowing me to represent you in the U.S. Navy. Because your tax dollars go to feeding, clothing, housing, and educating, like the GI Bill, everyone in the military. So thank you. Also, the military doesn't just take anyone. A few years ago, a friend of mine asked me to go down with him to the Navy recruiter, and they gave him a practice ASVAB test. And he didn't do very well on the language portion. The guy speaks three languages, and English is his third. So the Navy recruiters suggested the Marine Corps and Army recruiters down the hall. Not only that, but you have these physical standards just to get into the military. You have to be able to do some push-ups and sit-ups, and you, know, you can't be too fat, blah, blah, blah. Obvious stuff. But these requirements for entrance are like the American people saying, you're too fat to protect us, or you need to, uh, you need to speak English gooder to be in the Navy. It's not easy to get into the military, and they don't just take anyone. I know the standards these days might be pretty lax, and they're you know, getting too woke for my taste, but there are people trying to get into the military today and are getting turned away. So thank you, American taxpayer, for allowing me to represent and defend you. You might think you might be some idiot liberal yahoo, but I don't want our enemies to just sail across the sea and kill you. You're American too, and it's an honor to have been uh, deemed mentally and physically fit enough to serve my fellow Americans in the Navy. Thank you for your service and your dollar dollar GI bills, y'all. All right, well, uh, it's been a while since uh, we've done a mailbag, so let's do a mailbag. Okay, so open the inbox here. Okay. Uh, we got a lot of your ugly emails. I know. I have a, I have a mirror. Okay. Um, you're ugly. You're, you're fat. Okay. <laughs> ugly. Okay, here's one. Uh, uh, why do you use big words when you're trying to prove, are you trying to prove that you're smart? Um, no, I am not Bill Maher. I'm, I'm more like Dennis Miller. But I don't try to use big words to make you or anyone else feel dumb. I don't get a rise out of that. It's just that those words are in my head and accessible when I speak or write. And when I try to convey a thought, or I just reach for the first words that convey that thought. I'm not trying to make anyone feel dumb. If anything, I find this habit of mine to be frustrating because I would, I would have to give definitions while speaking to people who spend less time reading than I do because I never get laid. I, uh, also, I don't want you. I don't want you pausing my videos or podca podcasts so that you need to Google some word I just used. I'm sorry about that. It's not intentional, but I, it's not like I'm ever going to forget the big words. You know, I've learned um, over the years. So I don't know what to tell you. Okay, here's another good one. Madman. Last week you did a segment saying you want an apology, and you kept saying Palestinian instead of which. Uh, instead of the people responsible for the rocket attacks on Israel, which is Hamas. <clears throat> there is a difference between Hamas and the Palestinian people. Thank you. Uh, okay, yeah, sure. You, you have a point. However, it is Palestinians that voted in Hamas government representatives. Hamas hides among the Palestinian people as human shields, and if you polled the average peaceful Palestinian, you'd most likely discover that they are totally cool with Hamas killing Jews because Palestinians generally are also anti-Semitic. If the Palestinians are so peaceful and not affiliated with Hamas, why do they tolerate these, their bellicose presence? Why do these peaceful Palestinians uh, not run to help the Israelis in defense of the Jewish lives? I find it the duty of all good people in the world to fight objective evils like anti-Semitic violence. And those Palestinians who, uh, 
those Palestinians who do not fight against Hamas might as well be Hamas as far as I'm concerned. When people say silence and violence here in America, it is an insult to what the term really means, uh, which is the Palestinians or anyone else who does not resist Hamas and their evil behavior. All right. Sorry, I got a heavy one. Let's go. Uh, got another one here. Let's see if we got something slider. Okay, here's a good one. Madman, I'm starting to get into collecting comic books. Any advice? Oh, hell yeah, bro. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because all of these publishers uh, have apps now where you can read all sorts of comic books uh, going back to the golden age, and that's awesome, uh, especially if you love reading comic books. But nothing will ever match owning a physical copy of a comic book you love and, and physically cared for, you know. So for starters, I don't think that there's any point in bagging or boarding any comic book that is newer than 1991, and you shouldn't really buy any comics that are newer than that. Uh, uh, basically, you don't want to buy any back issues that have a cover price greater than a dollar, and the lower the cover price, the more you should want it and the more you should care for it. Basically, you want to collect silver and golden age comics to some extent and the bronze age to some extent. I mean, uh, Keep in mind as well that these comic, uh, comic book ages have different size comic books, so you'll need different size bags and boards. Uh, I am totally against CGC and other grading companies where you send off your comic book to be uh, professionally graded and then sealed in a box. I hate that. I always want the option of opening the bag and read it, that million-dollar comic book if I so chose. I probably won't, but I could, and that's kind of the point. Uh, most importantly, collect the stuff that you like. If you don't like Archie, don't collect Archie comics if you could buy something you like instead. I really like the Justice League and Batman Silver Age comic, comics, and they are always a priority for me when buying comics. And I'll probably never sell them, but I could. <laughs> and when it comes to selling your collection, take this to heart. If you sell, no matter what, you'll probably regret it. But when it comes to needing money, sometimes you have to make sacrifices. Like Kevin Smith, who sold a ton of his comics to finance his first movie. Granted, he could afford to buy them back at this point, but he could have just as easily failed and he'd never see those books again. But it would have been worth the risk. I may never, ever want to sell any of my Justice League or Batman books. But if my niece, meet, but if my niece needed money for school or was getting married and needed money for a nice wedding or a honeymoon, I would sell them for her sake. Loving and collecting comic books is great, but don't let it skew your priorities. My niece is real, and sadly, Batman is not. All right, so, yeah, we're all caught up in the mailbag now, for now. So if you want to email me, the address is madman at fxbgpr.com, and I can feature you in a future mailbag. Otherwise, I'll just continue talking to myself. All right, let's go ahead and get to the news worth knowing. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, wokeness at federal's, uh, Fed's re regional banks put central bank independence at risk. Okay, regional Federal Reserve banks are taking an increasingly alarming stance on politically charged issues like racial justice, according to Senator Pat Toomey, Republican for Pennsylvania, who is a ranking member of the Senate Banking Committee. Federal Reserve banks in Atlanta, Boston, and Minneapolis recently dedicated resources to social policy, reflecting the political leanings of officials who are neither elected nor confirmed by the Senate. The Federal Reserve's mission statement mandates that the central bank <clears throat> to achieve maximum employment 
and stable prices while being free from political influence. Experience has shown that countries with independent central banks achieve far better outcomes for their citizens. Pursuing a highly politicized social agenda unrelated, unrelated to monetary policy is inflicting reputational damage on Minneapolis, Atlanta, and Boston federal banks and the Federal Reserve as a whole, Toomey said. The three banks recently spearheaded a series uh, that, was participate, that was participated in by all 12 regional banks, which centered on the belief that racism forms the, uh, the foundation of equality in our society. The Racism and Eco uh, Economy series highlighted a number of topics, including structural racism in housing, education, and labor markets. Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic, who is the first black Fed president, why is that relevant? Anyway, on Monday, you're Fox News. Why is that relevant? Anyway, on Monday told Axios that, he sh uh, that, that should he become the Fed chairman, he would steer the central bank towards economic inclusivity and e equity. Golly, that's why. Earlier this year, he said there was definitely uh, definitely merits to reparations called in the called the changes to Georgia voting laws troubling. That came after uh, after last year he published a letter titled "A Moral and Economic Imperative to, uh, Imperative to End Racism." The Minneapolis Fed, meanwhile, in its 2020 annual <clears throat> report, uh, renewed its commitment to dismantling systemic racism. Because yeah. The bank has everything to do with that. <sighs> Where did I lost my place? Dang it. Anyway, so here's the point of this, why I picked this article, is that, you know, um, when it comes to the important things, like science, like real science, uh, I hope we're keeping all this, you know, nonsense out. And it's the same when it comes to finances, is my, in my opinion. You know, especially when it comes to federal finances, is that we need to, this is too important to get bogged down in all this, you know, focus on race. You know, what does it matter? It's like, if they're the best person for the job, they're the best person for the job. This is America, and that's all there is to it. You don't need to have quotas. You don't need to have people, you know, it's like, in you know, banks should not be having their fingers in that anyway. Just count the beans, bean counters. Why are, you getting, why are you coming out of your office bringing all this social justice nonsense with you? Go count your beans. Anyway. And that's the point, is that these are un, you know, unelected people. <laughs> you know, it's, and they're you know, doing crazy things with this money, and they're always trying to throw in race cards and uh, intersectionality. And, uh. Anyway. You know how I feel about it, all that. <laughs> anyway, let's go to the next story. Uh, teachers, unions, and education officials push woke leftist policies in schools across the U.S. <clears throat> Got to get them while they're young. Get them while they're young. Many teachers and teachers' unions in recent years have pushed left-leaning policies both in schools and in the public sphere, sphere, a phenomenon that has been highlighted by more intense focus on schools and unions amid the coronavirus pandemic battles over how, we're, over how to teach about race in schools. The progressive push goes from individual classroom teachers all the way to the highest education officials in the land, including President Joe Biden's Education Secretary, Miguel Cardona. And the ideas and policies advocated range from the anti-racism racism, to single-payer health care and ending male-centric language. That's quote-unquote male-centric language. Quote, we need teachers behind this wave of curriculum becoming more woke, Cardona wrote in 2019 email when he was the Connecticut Education Commissioner. 
Fox News obtained an email via the Freedom of Information Act request. <laughs> Cardona was uh, discussing strategy for drafting and promoting a new class on black and Latino studies, which will be mandatory for all Connecticut students uh, starting in fall of 2022. Under the leadership of Secretary Cardona, the Department of Education remains committed to advancing educational equity and ensuring that we prioritize, replicate, and invest in what works for all students, not just some. U.S. Department of Education spokesperson said uh, in response to Fox News revealing this email. But the progressive lurch among educators and education officials is often just as prominent in teachers and local school officials as it is among high-profile individuals like Cardona. The teacher Cardona was advocating, uh, was advocating to be on the panel to help create a black and Latino studies curriculum named Megan Hatch Geary presents herself on Twitter as anti-racist focused educator. She issued a statement lauding Cardona for caring about what teachers think so they would be on board with this vital initiative. In more recent years, the New York Post, Post reported this week that a middle school principal in Brooklyn wrote an email asking teachers to take a political stand against Israel amid the fighting between the Jewish country and the Hamas terrorist organization. Jeez Louise. Quote, you could take action today by protesting, attending a vigil, making a public commitment to Palestinian liberation, signing a petition, or calling your government officials to place sanctions on Israel. Spelling in check is, is real. <laughs> Idiots. See, they don't even know how to spell it. That's why spelling matters. I mean, it's, you know, you give people a hard time for being grammar Nazis. There's a point. There's a point to knowing how to spell. So you, you can't spell Israel. You come off like an idiot. Email said, according to the post. <laughs> Just shove the editorials right in the middle of the story. All right. Um, <laughs> the time. <laughs> quote, the time is now to take a stand for the impacted the state sanctioned violence and crimes of, uh, against the humanity of the most vulnerable in our world. Meanwhile, a trove of public records released on, on Wednesday by a conservative nonprofit, Judicial Watch, showed that Montgomery County Public Schools in Maryland spent $454,000 in November on, on an anti-racism audit. The goal of the audit, according to the Mid-Atlantic Equity Consortium, which, has given, uh, which was given money, was to provide an opportunity to examine the district's systems, practices, and policies that do not create access opportunities and equitable outcomes for every student's academic and social-emotional well-being. For God's sakes. MCPS did not respond to a request for comment for Fox News. Of course they didn't. Uh, also revealed last week, Massachusetts School District barred white students from the march, from a march healing space event. According to a federal civil rights complaint filed by the group's a group Parents Defending Education, an email concluded, included the included in the complaint, said the event was hosted by Wesley Public Schools Office Diversity, Ed Equity, and Inclusion and was designated for uh, 6th to 12th grade and faculty staff. Note, this, this is a safe space for our Asian, Asian American and students of color, not for students who identify only as white. A March 2021 email read. Following the event, I'm biting my tongue so hard. Following the event, the school district superintendent doubled down on excluding certain students from events in an email that said the district had come to unequivocally affirm the importance of affinity spaces. The school officials did not immediately respond to the every, end of every paragraph says that. <laughs> Teachers unions have been uh, in the spotlight recently over the fact that many areas, blah, blah, blah. Uh, unions previously have gained attention by their left, have uh, recently... 
gained attention for the left-leaning policies, donating heavily to Democrats and Republicans or over Republicans in every election cycle since 1990, according to Open Secrets. During its, during its 2020 convention, the American Teach, uh, Federation of Teachers, AFT, bragged that it passed a raft of bold progressive resolutions, including some that had nothing to do with education. One resolution backed a uni uh, universal health care coverage by 2025 through single-payer or private insurance with a public option. Anyway, here's, here's, here's the point. You know, when you're saying white people not allowed, all right, don't you understand that's racism? That w that's wrong. That was what's wrong, you know, with America in the 60s, and we figured it out in the 60s, all right? You shouldn't do that. It's wrong. It's anti-American to exclude people. It's wrong. And you're, everyone's all focused on race as if that matters. You know, taking our tax dollars and, and spending it on nonsense like this. You know? These teachers. You know, they're, they've always been liberal. I get that. I get that. You know, but there, there had to have been, you know, men around at some point and say, no, we're not spending money sitting around talking about race all day. We're going to have them learn what they need to learn. The three R's, <laughs> read and write and arithmetic, you know, because we need scientists out there, not a bunch of social scientists, you know, social science isn't really, isn't really a thing, if you ask me, it's not important, and it's unfortunate that like my generation and, and onward, you know, all wanted to grow up and be artists, you know. And I guess that's fine, but at some point, you know, I realized I had to do, like, learn a trade or something, you know. But no, just sitting around pondering, you know, lesbian dance theory, as they say, you know, that's, that's not a real job. You don't produce anything if all you do is thinking about new ways to, you know, teach these kids to constantly look at each other and see, oh, that's a white kid and therefore he's bad. You know what? It's just, it reminds me of these Hitler youth camps, you know? You're starting to force each other, force all these kids at a very young age to start looking at each other as only the sum of their parts, okay? And that is evil. That is evil at its core. And I know, you know, the, the women run the education system and all these unions are run, it's a women everywhere, I get it, you know? But, you know, you got to rein these chicks in. You got to rein them in. And these teachers, I mean, if this is like public education, I understand why my sister is homeschooling her daughter, my niece, who's six years old and reading at like a 10th grade level. Seriously. All right? At, if I ever have kids, I wouldn't want to send them to public school at all. At all. Because of this. You know, there's, there's a time in this country where people said the education system in America was the best in the world. And I really think we've gone backwards, like super backwards. We get, it, we get education, we get time in school, but it's, it's basically a giant daycare these days. It's, it's, even in 10th grade, they're just walking up to the windows and drooling on it. Yeah, eating Tide Pods and shit. Don't put that in your mouth. Are, are you 17 years old? Are you 17 years old? Don't put that in your mouth. I'm going to bring back those Mr. Yuck stickers. <laughs> All right, let's go on to this next story. 
And that's what I, what else am I going to rant about? Oh, we're cruising, aren't we? Michigan Governor Whitner, Whitmer is the latest Democrat caught in the act of the COVID-19 rule uh, hypocrisy. I'm sure you've heard about this because <clears throat> a lot of people are talking about it. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer is just the latest Democrat facing backlash for flouting social distancing as she urges the public to follow her state's coronavirus guidelines. Whitmer apologized Sunday after a photo emerged and appeared to show her disregarding social distancing guidelines at a bar. The photo showed the governor with a large group of people at the Landshark Bar and Grill in East Lansing, Michigan. Whitmer appeared to be with a dozen people with tables pushed together, although the state still requires social distancing at restaurants with no more than six people at tables. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> What's wrong? I mean, <laughs> the group was unmasked and there seemed to be no social distancing. It was an honest mistake. This is a quote from Whitmer, and I apologize for it. She said at a press conference Monday, I think that we have specific, uh, specifically not gone forward and penalized businesses trying to do the right thing. And those have flouted, it's those that have flouted but put people's safety at risk that are most concerning. I don't know that there's a lot more for me to add at this point in time other than those former Spartans <laughs> who know the establishment should be aware that it's now a restaurant and they have pretty good pizza. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, Whitmer was seen without a without a mask, flat, you know, ignoring you know social distancing. Uh, Gavin Newsom. This I'm going to skip to that this one. Uh, uh, California Gav Gavin Newsom is now facing recall after photos surfaced of him socializing without a mask at a posh restaurant in wine country north of San Francisco. Newsom came after fire at violating for at least uh, at least two of California's coronavirus rules by attending a 12-person birthday party at a French laundry restaurant in November of 2020 after urging Californians to only interact with members of their own household. Hey, that sounds like a good time. What's the problem? Why are we talking about this? Who cares? Anyway, let's go on to this next. Who is it? Uh, uh, John, John Kerry, member of the Biden administration, was caught not wearing a mask while on flight to Washington, D.C. from Boston. Republicans were quick to mock the former Democratic president. Hey, what's the big deal? He wasn't wearing a mask. They don't even listen to themselves. You know what I mean? Why should we listen to them? <laughs> Mayor Michael Hancock has apologized to critics who pointed out his 2020 holiday travel plans visiting his family in Mississippi as hypocritical as after he advised Coloradians, Coloradians to have virtual gatherings in light of the pandemic came under fire after reports surfaced that he boarded a flight to Houston before heading to Mississippi to visit his wife and daughter. Hey, wh what's the big deal? Who cares? They don't even listen to themselves. You know, they follow, they, they, they ignore the nonsense that comes out of their mouths. I've, I've been flouting those rules too. You know, it's like everyone's, the speed limit's 55, but everyone's going 60, okay? It's all right. It's when you, it's that guy who's only going, who's got the POS and he's only going 45 in the right lane. He's the one that's slowing everybody down. And that's Joe Biden. Okay. It's, it's so, I don't think they should apologize for this stuff. I sure wouldn't, you know? And I wish that, you know, more people would say, hey, we caught you in public. It was like, so what? It's summer. It's hot as shit. Viruses can't go anywhere. They die two inches from your mouth because of the sun. Ah, just, <laughs> and most everyone's vaccinated, okay? Doctors and nurses are getting bored. You seen TikTok lately? Anyway. <laughs> it, I, 
I just I don't understand Republicans making a big fuss over this. You know, it's like, but they're saying something else. It's hypocrisy. It's like, well, you know, it's you know, the, the speed limit is fifty five. We're all going seventy. You know, we know it's nonsense. And if you take what they if you take what they say literally and seriously, there's something wrong with you. You know, because everyone knows this is all nonsense. Anyway, I got halfway through, so let's go to this next story. Uh, NYPD arrests another suspect in beating of a Jewish man in Times Square. <sighs> NYPD arrested a second suspect in connection with the violent beatdown of a Jewish man near Times Square last week. Fasel Alezi, uh, 25 of Staten Island, was busted Monday and charged with three hate crimes in connection with the attack of 29-year-old Joseph Borgen, according to police. Excuse me. The brutal attack took place last Thursday when Borgen uh, was jumped by a mob of five men at 49th Street in Broadway. The victim was on his way to a pro-Israel rally. The suspect spewed anti-Semitic statements while pepper, while pepper spraying, punching, and kicking Borgen, police have said. Police said the group also used crutches to beat the victim. You think they're just laying there on the side? Anyway, I don't know. Let the, where, where there's a careful huh need a crutch to beat somebody ek is not very good at humor Alezi was charged with assault the hate crime menacing as a hate crime and aggravated harassment as a hate crime and that third one's just yeah I, I guess they're throwing the book at him as it were another man wasim awada forgive me was arrested friday and charged with allegedly beating borgen so my Jewish friends, especially in New York and cities and stuff like that, keep your heads on a swivel because these violent anti-Semites are out and about. They exist again. What the F? I mean, that's scary to me. That's scary to me that, you know, I mean, this, is, this is like serious. This is like uh, the rise of uh, the National Socialist Party in Germany. Roaming gangs of people going around just start doing things, and next thing you know, oh, the government's in line with all that. That's scary, bro. So keep your heads on a swivel. Second Amendment, I want to remind you of it. <laughs> and absolutely, if they start messing with you, you shoot them. I mean, <laughs> for God's sakes, I can't, I can't believe I'm seeing this in America. Racial crimes at this level. The, this hate, you know, even with the... Uh, uh, the teachers getting on, you know, back in Palestine and Hamas. Like I said, it's like, I'm sorry, Palestine, you're inexorably linked to Hamas. And, oops, let's close, close that. Let's go to this, uh, next two stories, lighter stories, and then we'll end the show maybe a little bit early. So, uh, Kentucky tattoo artist will cover hate-filled tattoos for free, no questions asked. Every Thursday is dedicated to hashtag cover the hate. A couple of tattoo artists from Kentucky, inspired by fighting uh, for racial justice during the COVID-19 pandemic, wanted to help rid the world of hate. It started with a social media post in June. <clears throat> Quote, if you have a racist tattoo and you want it gone, I'll cover it for free. No questions asked. Ryan King and his colleagues at Gallery X Art Collective wrote on Instagram. King told Fox News that the idea sparked early on in the pandemic and they watched his... Uh, 
the story of America unfold with protests and uh, inequality and people standing up for racial rights. We just started seeing these people pretty much risk their lives. When Gallery X Art Collective was allowed to resume business over the summer, the idea to start and cover hate the uh, initiative was instantaneous, King said. What we didn't expect was such an overwhelming response. We had hundreds and hundreds of likes, hundreds and hundreds of shares, he said. Uh, they had intended to just help those in the surrounding community, community that is until they started getting hundreds of messages from people all over the world. Quote, our voicemail would be totally full almost every day from people reaching out from California to New York. I've had people from Ireland. I've had a girl from South, uh, South Africa. It was just very overwhelming. King dedicates every, thir every Thursday to this effort, and, he still, and his wait list ex uh, extends probably 10 or 20 years. To help, he's enlisted the, uh, the help of eight or nine other shops in the area that are linked on Gallery X Art Collective's Facebook page. Uh, quote, the swastika and SS bolts and the Confederate flag tend to be the predominant images that I see that, uh, that I have to cover up, he says. Makes sense to me. That's what I would guess if I had to pick. Okay. <clears throat> and each person has their own and in many cases tragic story about how they got inked. Uh, I had a father that told me that he didn't take off his shirt in front of his kids ever because of some mistake he made when he was in his early 20s and got, a, uh, got in with the wrong crowd, King said. In fact, most of the tattoos are done in prison or somebody's house. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone go, I generally hated this race, he said. It's always like I felt pressured into this. I thought I was going to die in prison. And the process to get rid of it isn't easy. Uh, you pretty much at a whim or whoever is going to be able to cover that for you. You feel brave enough to enter the establishment and say, yes, this was me. No, this isn't who I am, he said. Knowing this, <clears throat> excuse me, knowing this, King tries to keep things positive. Quote, hey, man, you're excited to get rid of this. Let's start a new day and a new you. He recalls uh, starting his interactions. The relief in his clients was almost immediate, he said. They'll kind of go through the motion of dealing with the pain, and that's kind of uh, the healing from it because they're kind of like letting it out as the tattoo is getting covered up. Many have even cried. For King, it's all about seeing, uh, being seeing them. That's horrible. It's all about being seeing them. Quote, go through that change and be able to get away from the ugly reminder of their past. Now, I think this is great. I mean, it's obviously very cool. I mean, I'm tattoo artists. It's, it's one of those things like uh, that, you know, all the artists that were in my Generation X are now, you know, <laughs> all those guys who could draw in high school that I knew, that's what they're doing now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so, um, uh, and there's not a whole lot of uh, ways you can work good into an occupation like that, but I mean, and he's even taken a wait list, you know, enlisting the help of other, you know, other tattoo shops. I think that every tattoo shop should get on board with this concept, you know. Because everyone has a dumbass 20s. You know, there's these people who are getting these COVID tattoos today. All right? People are getting tattoos of when they got vaccinated. Ten years, ten years from now, there's going to be a demand for this, okay? <laughs> I, I generally think that all tattoos are a mistake, and you should probably, like, get them sanded off or whatever it takes. You know, that being said, is like, you know, covering it up seems less painful. And so... You know, everyone goes through that, that phase in their life. My generation, I was born in 77. My generation, uh, the 80s and stuff like that, these guys would get the swastikas and stuff like that because it was punk rock at the time. It wasn't really, you know, I have a swastika on me, but I'm, 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 that doesn't mean I'm, uh, 
racist. It's just, just punk rock back in the day. It was just a symbol, you know? And it's just it's something stupid you did when you're young, just like punk rock is stupid. It's just something you did when you were young, and it happens to everybody, you know? It could happen. Well, not everybody. You know, everyone does something stupid. But you know, I don't have the stupid things I did did not ink me for life. You know what I mean? But I think that every tattoo artist should have this service um, for free. Is yeah, it's getting rough. But I mean, it gets you notoriety and stuff like that. And it's like word of mouth, I guess. Plus, they got the you know, you got people on you know podcasts and stuff talking about it. So. Most people who get tattoos, they have at least one, one one they think is stupid. If you see somebody with multiple tattoos and they're like, yeah, this I like this one and this one, the one's one on my back, and then this one, I hate this one. I was, I was drunk when I picked this out. I was stupid. Everyone has at least one they want to get rid of. <clears throat> okay, let's go to this last story. Marine surpri- surprises sister at college graduation after a year apart due to the pandemic. A U.S. Marine surprised his sister at her college graduation after being away for more than a year due to the coronavirus pandemic. Private First Class Ryan Booth left for boot camp last summer but was unable to return home due to the pandemic. His sister, Emily, was set to graduate Saturday from Endicott College with a degree in nursing. Their father, Stanford Police Sergeant Jeffrey Booth, uh, tried to coordinate the surprise, which he said uh, was difficult considering how close the siblings are. Uh... Quote, he arrived before the graduation, Jeffrey Booth told the Stanford advocate. It was a little difficult to keep the secret, but he ignored her for a couple of days. <laughs> she was probably so pissed at him that morning. Endicott was more... <laughs> I'm graduating. You didn't say anything to me. Endicott was more than happy to help uh, engineer the surprise, even announcing during the ceremony that Ryan would assist the college president in handing Emily her diploma. Quote, it was actually a school's idea to bring him up on stage, Jeffrey Booth said. Emily, that sounds like a Marine, absolutely. Emily didn't uh, say a whole lot when she saw him. She was shocked by the whole thing, but she was thrilled to see him. In a video posted by Endicott to its Twitter page, uh, Emily and Ryan embrace in a bear hug as soon as, she, as he is revealed, while everyone applauds and cheers for their reunion. Uh, Ryan will soon need to report back to South Carolina, but the family is trying to make most of the time he has to spend with him while he's home. Now, um... I, I think it's just a sweet story, sweet story because, um, you know, it really is something to see your family after you've been through basic training. You know, you, you feel once you, once you get through basic training and probably your school, cause I mean, after, you know, it's been a year, so he's probably been to school as well and probably ready to be deployable. So, uh, after a year. Uh, so, but when you first see your family after going through that experience, you know, you look at them differently and they look at you differently. And it's like some, you know, and because you you've drawn on things they've taught you in your past, you know, experiences you've had with them in the past. You draw on them during your training and your, ba- you know, it it you know, like uh, you well, you just want to like uh, connect with them again. You know, it's, I wish there's a way to explain it, but I mean, because you know, your dad will you hear it's him whispering something in your ears. You're doing push-ups. It's like, yeah, you should listen to you about that. Yeah. I'm, I run my mouth too much. You're right. You know, <laughs> constantly getting doing push-ups because I'm talking in line at the galley. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it, so you definitely want to see them. You know, and it's a whole year is a good time. I saw my parents. Uh, you know, boot camp was like 13 weeks. I saw them at the 13th week. They came up for my graduation. I passed in review. 
So, uh, yeah, that's just a little happy little story. It reminds me of when I first saw my family because, you know, your family is an important thing. Hold on to them, you know, take care of them. Sell your comic books for your niece, you know, so she can go to school or needs a wedding. And so, because, you know, we're human, we're human, we're all human beings. We're all going 70 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone. And, you know, let's, you can sit here and make fun of those Democrats not wearing their masks and flouting the rules. And it's like, but if you're not following the rules, I'm like, nobody is. And, you know, nobody has been for a while. All right. Everything's going to be okay. And I think you and I both know that. Anyway, we're going to call this the end of the show. I want to remind you again to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron. Um, Yes, three bucks a month. It's nothing in this day and age with the value of a dollar. If you want to email me, my madman at fxbgpr.com. I can feature you in the mailbag. I also have a cash app. Use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio. Send me some money through that way. Or you you can send me a note through there as well if you want me to read something on the air. I will. I will. Yeah. Also, I have books, and it's like you can check out the, my social media. I'm sure you'll find some references. Like, I, I have a little clip uh, that I put on my YouTube channel, so Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube. And, and that talks about my, where you, you can find my books and stuff. So, yeah, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I am the madman, and I love you. <laughs>